Would you uh, join with me in prayer? Father God, today, we, your people, come together to seek your face, to continue to pray for our hearts, God, that we would be in the right people, the right place, the right, uh, the right attitude, the right heart, God. We pray that you would speak into our hearts today. And God, we love you. We thank you for Christ who redeems us and reconciles us. And God, we pray for that today. In particular, the reconciliation of the world to you, God. That's the ultimate goal. And so, Lord, we pray for that as a church. And we thank you for your grace and your mercy. We thank you for your love for us. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, God bless you guys. Uh, glad you're here today. And uh, it's good to see everybody, all your... Uh, all your uh, masked up faces, amen, you know, and uh, good to see everybody today. Uh, you know, we have been in this verse in 2 Chronicles. It's a verse that's often used uh, in particular. We have heard it uh, in the United States over the years for times of uh, crisis or challenge. And, uh, but the truth is it was originally written to a group of people called the Israelites, and we've gone over that history and it was, it was a moment in Israel's history where they were dedicating the temple to God, and they had built this magnificent place for the presence of God, and, and then in light of that, Solomon prays a prayer honoring God, and then chapter 7 of 2 Chronicles is God's response, and really, you'll notice that the verse, I put dot, 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 and a small letter I for the, letter, for the word if, because that's not the beginning of the sentence. The beginning of the sentence actually has to do with the devastation of the land, the possibility of plague, the challenges within that culture. And then in the middle of that, God says, if my people. And if you just allow me, I would love to just walk through the first part of that verse. Because I think it would really remind us, right? and I'm just going to jump right in. There's no funny stuff today, all right? I'm going right in for it, all right? So just get prepared for that. And he says, if. If. if if you do, I will. If you don't, I won't. It's conditional. It's, it's covenant language. If, if, if my people, notice how God starts with his people, my people. If, he says, if my people, who's he talking about there? In the Old Testament, he's talking specifically about the Israelites. If my people, the people that I have called to bring the Messiah out of them, the, the, the people that I have called to be my people, if my people. And then, of course, in the New Testament, we know that in the church age, his people become, it expands, it becomes the church, it's all of us. And so when he says, if, if you do, I will, if, my people, notice he doesn't say those people. Notice he doesn't say those people who are pagan, those people who are outside of Israel, those people who are outside the church. Notice he doesn't say, if, if those people will get their stuff together, then I will respond. Not, not if those Trump supporters will get there, if Biden supporters, not those Antifa, not those Proud Boys, not those rioters in the Capitol, not those protesters in the streets of Seattle, if my people, that's us, all of us, if my people, if my people who are called, yeah, you're called, you're called. That's probably why you're here. At some point in your life, God called you. 
He said, I want you to be on my team. I want you to be a part of what we're doing. We're going to be a part of a great mission that's going to have at its goal the redemption of the world. If my people who are called, that's, that's you, who are called by what? By my name. In other words, it's not your name that matters. It's God's name that matters. He's the king. It's his name. You represent his team. You wear his name. When it's his team, it's his plan. We have a lot of football games right now going on all day yesterday, most of the day today. And what you'll often hear is someone, a reporter, will ask a coach, hey, you know this team is really good at defense. They put a lot of pressure on you. How will you respond to that? And what does the coach so often say? We're not going to worry so much about what they do. We're going to work our plan. We're going to have our game plan and what that is. And I think when God says, my people call by my name, it's, it'll be my plan. How we as, as his people carry out his plan. And then, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves. I think Josh did a great job last week unpacking that. Because if we're really going to be the people of God, we are Philippians 2 type of people. Just like Jesus who humbled himself and said, I want to be, I want to, I want to take on the likeness of a man in Jesus' case. I'm going to take off the trappings of heaven, and I'm going to live among them for a while so that I can redeem them. That's our example, and Jesus humbled himself, and then we pray. We pray. It's interesting how humility and prayer go together. You cannot be prideful and prayerful at the same time. And so he says, I want you to be humble before God. Humble yourself and pray. If my people, and I want you to know how seriously and deliberatively that when all of these things have been going on all this year, that those who lead in this church take all of this. I I sometimes wish, just, just, uh, just last night I was here and I had to pick up some things for the kids department and bring home, and Josh was coming in because... Jess was going to take out some trash, and we happened to cross paths in the parking lot. And for about a half hour in the cold weather with his little kids in the background, just like, what are you doing, Dad? We're having a conversation. I wish that you could be a part of those conversations. Josh and I sometimes have said, it would be just some some Thursday. We ought to just have on Thursday night sometime just like open forum conversational kind of stuff because I think it would be really interesting for you as the church to hear how we deliberate about the kinds of things that are going on, not only in our world, but have happened all year round, whether it be how we as a church deal with COVID, how we respond to things in the culture, because we're seeing all kinds of Christian leaders respond in all kinds of different ways. And by the way, not only we take it seriously and prayerfully, we also, when we respond, we want to respond with grace. We want to respond with the right attitude. Sometimes I think, that people look and say, well, you should speak more about this kind of thing, or why don't you talk more about that topic, or, or, or why don't you be more silent about that? You know, it's like you can't do anything right, but we appreciate the Heart of Access Church because you guys understand we are very seriously looking at all of this all the time. Well, what, what does all this mean? But I can tell you this, what we have tried to do over the last year is to say, what is the heart of God, and what would God want his kingdom people to respond with. 
I mean, that has been our, our, rather than addressing everything that's out there, we've tried to say, look, what happened in the scriptural times was far worse than what we're facing today. Whether it be famine or plague or pestilence or the killing of people of faith in the New Testament, that's what they were dealing with. And in the middle of that, God says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray. And so kingdom people, we pray and humble prayer helps us get in touch with the heart and the character of a loving God and also a judging God. And, and it seems like when the world is losing its way, we learn and need to learn about the heart and character of a living God and an eternal God who is never lost. God is never surprised. And what I want to do for just a minute is go back to 2 Chronicles 6, and I want to walk through the prayer that Solomon prayed, because when God says, if my people will pray, well, let's reflect on the most recent prayer that was prayed and the prayer that God was specifically addressing in 2 Chronicles 7. So in 2 Chronicles 6, the first thing we see is that prayer tells us that God is a just God. It reminds us of that. Verse 22 of chapter 6 says, When anyone wrongs their neighbor and is required to take an oath, and they come and swear the oath before your altar in this temple. Remember, it's a prayer dedication. Then hear from heaven and act. Judge between your servants, condemning the guilty, bringing down on their heads what they have done, and vindicating the innocent by treating them in accordance with their innocence. In other words, Solomon is saying that, God, you are eternal. The God of Israel is just. He does not make mistakes. He knows the difference between right and wrong. Seems like sometimes for us that can get cloudy one way or the other. But God is never wrong. God is the ultimate judge. And I think, I have said before that I think that when we think about relationships or how to deal with things in the world, we have to see what is my part, what's God's part, what's your part. I really think that's so helpful. And I know this, my part is to be what God says, loving, forgiving, helpful, restoring, redemptive, prayerful. Your part is to do the same. What's God's part? God gets to be the forgiver of people and the judge. God gets to do that. God gets to determine what's right and what's wrong. And so often it seems like our conversations are filled with finger pointing rather than bridge building. We have to let God be God. God is the just judge. But he also, in this prayer, recognizes that God is the merciful restorer. Verse 24 says, God, when your people, Israel, have been defeated by an enemy because they have sinned against you, and when they turn their uh, back and give praise to your name, praying and making supplication before you in this temple, then hear from heaven and forgive their sin of your people, Israel, and bring them back to the land you gave them and their ancestors. If you keep reading verse 26, 27, 28, 29, 30, 31, you're going to hear the same theme. God is merciful. He restores his people. And how many of you are glad about that, right? Amen? Because we all need that. That's the whole idea of this series is, God, before you, we want to be humble. God, we're so thankful for your mercy. One of my favorite verses of Scripture. You know, a lot of people come to the new year, they're like, new year, new you, you know? It's all exciting. We're going to be a new year, man. It's a new year. 2020 is over. 2021 has begun, and it's a new year. And everybody's like, and I'm seeing all these posts now like, well, great, you know, how's 2021 going for you and all this stuff? And here's the scripture. God's mercies are new 
every morning. I love that verse because I wake up, I'm like, blow it. I blow it on Monday. Tuesday, I wake up, man, God's mercies are new today, man. Come on. His mercies are new today. I get a new start. And Wednesday comes, I'm like, well, I, I lost it a little bit yesterday on Tuesday. But guess what? God's mercies are new today. And then on on Wednesday, I'm like, oh, man, I blew it. And Thursday, I wake up. Thursday morning, I wake up. I'm like, well, I look back on Wednesday. I said, what did I do on Wednesday? Oh, that's all right. God's mercies are new today. And Friday, I do the same thing. And here's what I'm saying. God's mercies are new every morning. You get a fresh start every day. Aren't you glad about that? Because we need a fresh start. And God is the merciful restorer. He wants you back in relationship with him. But he's also, number three, a gracious receiver of people. Verse 32 and 33 says, Solomon prays, as for the foreigner who does not belong to your people Israel, but has come from a distant land because of your great name and your mighty hand and your outstretched arm. Listen to what he says about God. Your great name, your mighty hand, your outstretched arm. Why? Because he's a reconciler. He's a receiver of people. And when they come and pray to this temple, then hear from heaven your dwelling place. Do whatever the foreigner asks of you so that all the peoples of the earth may know your name and fear you and as do your own people, Israel. And may know that this house I have built bears your name. So he's actually saying, God, for the, for the people that are outside, we started, God, with your people. My people are called by my name. And now, God, we're just praying that everyone else that's around that wants to come to your temple, in other words, they are interested in you, God. They are seeking you, God. I'm just praying, God, that you would be a receiver of those people. Isn't that great? That's the heart of God, that he would receive and welcome people. And I don't know about you, but I'm really glad because God received me and he receives you. And friends, how I always want that the heart of the people of Axis Church reflect the spirit and character of a loving God who receives people, no matter what. No matter what your beliefs are, no matter what your background is, no matter what your experiences are, no matter what your challenges are, that we would be a group of people that are grace-oriented, grace-filled receivers of people. Why? Because that is the heart and the character of our God. Amen? That's what we want to be. That's one of the reasons why Josh last week talked about the topic of race in our culture. And it's a hot topic, and there are all kinds of buzzwords that are used that can ignite people on one side or the other of your beliefs of these things. But here's what I want us to do. Rather, because I'm guessing most of the people in here would say, I'm not racist. And, and I believe that. But what we often don't do is go to the deeper level, which is this. Yeah, I'm not racist, but God, would you help me for just a little while? Walk in the shoes of someone else. Just help me walk in their shoes. Help me understand a little bit what it would be like. And then help them understand what it's like to be walking in my shoes so that we understand from one another what our experiences are like. That's why on February 27th, we're going to have here on a Saturday from 9 to 12, we're going to have kind of a reconciliation roundtable. Josh and I and, and Lisa and Aaron a few months ago went to this idea put on by uh, some leaders that we really respect, and they just helped us walk in the shoes of someone else. And that's what we want you guys to do, and we hope that you'll come to that. And really, it's a desire 
rather than being condemning, it's a desire to simply say, God, would you help me to understand what it means to build bridges with people? How can I, in this culture, be a bridge builder? Because that's, that's your heart. The fourth thing here is that we learn that God is a sovereign defender. Verse 34, and this is so important, says, God, when your people go to war against their enemies, whenever you send them, and when they pray to you toward the city that you have chosen, this temple I built for your name, then hear from heaven their prayer and their plea, uphold their cause. God is sovereign. He is a defender of his people. Now, that might look different to us than it does to God. You know why? Because God is sovereign, we're not. And it is interesting in this verse, it says that there were times in, in the history of Israel where God called his people, and when he did, he would defend them. You're reminded about the heart and the character of God. But we still have the question. Okay, we know about the character. We want to be people of prayer. But how do we respond? How do we respond? In the middle. Timothy chapter 3. There will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having some form of but denying its power have nothing to do with such people. That's what Paul describes the last days as. Does that sound familiar to anybody? No? How do we respond? How do we respond when that kind of thing seems to be happening in ever-increasing measure? Where Paul goes back in 1 Timothy chapter 2, where he does tell Timothy, how do you respond in times like this? And listen to what he says. I'm going to read this entire verse 1 through 6. I urge then, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving may be made for who? All people, for kings and all those in authorities, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. This is good. It pleases God our Savior, who wants all people to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and mankind, that man, Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all people. This is how... Uh, this has now been witnessed at the proper time. And so he says, I want you to be praying. <laughs> and some of you say, okay, first he's talking about prayers. What kind of prayer is he talking about? Well, look at the words he uses. Petitions. Petitions are from that deep need where you really, from the bottom of your soul, are crying out to God. Making those requests before God. Those are petitions. Prayers is the word used throughout the New Testament to kind of be more that, just that over-encompassing idea of conversation with God. Prayers, petitions, <coughs> intercession. Intercession is when one person prays on behalf of another person. One person prays on behalf of another person or another cause, and you are praying for them. God, I'm interceding for them. They don't know what to pray, so I'm going to pray on their behalf. And then Thanksgiving. Remember who he's writing to. People who are being persecuted for their faith. And he's saying, the first thing I want you to do, first of all, through prayer, petition, 
those deep needs, intercession, praying for somebody else, and then giving God thanks. And you say, how is that possible in a culture where Christians were being killed? Well, that's what he asked. With thanksgiving, that attitude that says, no matter what happens in this world, I'm going to be thankful because God has a plan for my life and he has a plan for eternity. And that's what his prayer is for them. And, and, and when we look at this verse and we say, okay, God, we want to pray, what does he first say to pray for? I want you to pray, he says, made for all people, pray for all people, and for kings and all those in authority. Now that, we might walk over that. I can tell you every night, every night, at the dinner table, with our family, every single night, we pray, God, would you give wisdom and humility to our leaders in this culture? Wisdom and humility. Matter whoever leads. God, would you give, our, our, our prayer recently is, I started to pray, God, I pray for President-elect Biden. Pray to give him wisdom and humility. Why? Because the Bible says, pray for kings and all those in authority. Oh, and by the way, back then it was Nero. Nero who hated Christians, who persecuted them. They, they weren't praying for somebody who was a fan of Christians. They were praying and being asked to pray for somebody who had just killed their kid, had just killed their mother, their father, their Christian brother. And he said, I want you to pray for the king and those in authority. And Paul is telling Timothy, and he's telling us, what do you want to do? What should you do? Pray. Pray for all people and pray for those in authority. And you might ask, why would I pray for those in authority? I'm going to tell you. I'm going to give you four reasons. Here they are. Number one, they're going to go quick, so don't worry. Number one, the first thing is we pray because it changes us. That's why we pray. Because when you pray for someone else, when you pray for leaders or those in authority, it changes us. God does something in us. It says, so that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. Now, does that mean you're not discerning? No. The Bible says, be wise as a serpent, innocent as a dove. But the posture of those who are Christians is one of those who live that kind of peaceful life in godliness and holiness. Pray for your leader because when you humble yourself and you pray, it changes you from the inside out. I think a lot of times people say, oh man, what, how should we respond? And I'm so concerned about that. And I just think, boy, what would happen if the church actually demonstrated humble prayer? Just humble prayer. God, we don't have all the answers, but we, you, we know you do. And so we want to be humble prayers, God. Humble prayers. And, and, and we want the church to be seen as a place of unity. Because if there's strife around us, we want there to be one place where people of all different kinds, even different beliefs, even different backgrounds, we, we cross and we go, we've got one purpose together, and that is the reconciliation of the world. The second thing is that we pray because, specifically we pray for leaders because it's good and it pleases the Lord. Verse 3 literally says it's what? It's good and it pleases the Lord. You, you guys think we're so creative as pastors. We're not. We just pull it right out of the text right there. It is. It's good and pleases the Lord. You want to make God happy? Pray. Pray for your leaders. Karl Barth one time, the Swiss theologian, said to, to class 
the hands in prayer is the beginning of an uprising against the disorder of the world. How to do it? Clasp the hands in prayer. That, that, that's when we really humble ourselves. We are doing something that we can't possibly fully know or understand what the result of that is. But God does. God responds. And God says, that pleases me. Number three, the reason we pray is because it reminds us who the true king really is. In verse 3, Paul says, it's good and it pleases the Lord. Listen, who? It pleases God our Savior. It does not say that it's good and it pleases a, a certain president or a certain party. or It pleases God our Savior. And when we are humble and we pray, we remember that every leader, every president, every prime minister that has ever lived will one day bow their knee to the King of Kings and will acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord. Again, read Philippians 2. God is the king over every king. And that's why ultimately this puts us in the right posture of prayer. And we say, God, we remember now that you're our king. You're our king. And we trust you fully. And listen, guys, we can't say we trust God on Sunday and not trust him Monday through Saturday. I mean, I think sometimes we go, God, what are, what are you doing? What is wrong with you? What is happening? Oh, but on Sunday we sing, oh, God, we trust you. We trust you, Lord. Look, guys, God is not in a corner somewhere in heaven sucking his thumb right now in, in, a, in a fetal position. God is on the throne, friends. And I have no idea what God is up to, but I've been praying for a long time. That, that there is a lot of apathy in our culture, that God would disrupt the apathy so that somehow through that the church of Christ might rise. I, I don't know, but I do know that God's in control. God's not surprised. God's not surprised by the things that happen in our culture around us. He's, he's right there in the moment of all of it and saying, I want my people who are called by my name to humble themselves and pray and seek my face, turn from their wicked ways, and I'll heal their land. I'm waiting for my people. God, I, I want our people to, to rise, he says. And then here's another thing. The reason we pray specifically for our leaders and all people is because it demonstrates the gospel. That's ultimately what we're here for. It says in verse 3 through 6 that this is good. It pleases God our Savior who wants all people to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. All people. For there is one God and one mediator between God and mankind, the man Jesus Christ, who gave himself as a ransom for all people. This is now, this has now been witnessed at the proper time. That is the ultimate goal. Our goal is not to win the argument. The goal is to win the world to Christ. The goal is, as Paul writes, that all people be saved. In other words, if you're going to put 2 Chronicles and 1 Timothy together, those verses, it might sound like this. I want my people who are called by my name to humble themselves and pray so that all people, all people will come to a saving knowledge of Christ. That's the goal. Our mission at Axis has been from day one that we would revolve the world around Jesus one life at a time. How do you deal with problems in your world? You humble yourself, you pray, and you look for ways to build bridges with people around you. And so here's what I want you to do. I want you to either get out a piece of paper or your phone today. I'm going to ask you to do three things, and you can uh, write these down because I want you to remember them. So put them in your phone or put them on a card or something there with you, and I want you to write these things down, okay? The first thing, just following this passage, I want you right now to write down the name 
of a leader in our country might be a president, might be a president-elect, might be a vice president, might be a congressperson, might be someone locally in authority. I want you to put their name down. And this week, I want you to be praying for that person. Just write it down. Who are you going to pray for this week? You're going to pray for different people because all over this room, we're going to have different names on there. I want you to be praying for them. Pray. Secondly, I want you to hear this really carefully today. What I want you to do is very important. The Bible says all people, all people. All right, we got the message on that, didn't we? From the scripture, he wants all people saved. So as kind of a confession, what I want you to do in your heart is ask yourself, what group of people do I kind of not wish were part of all people? Okay? What people group do I kind of wish were not part of all people? And for some of you, that might be conservatives. For some of you, that might be liberals. For some of you, that might be Black Lives Matter. For some of you, it might be the police. For some of you, it might be KKK. For some of you, it might be Muslims. For some of you, it might be LGBT or immigrants or athletes who don't stand at the anthem. Am I getting too close? Whoever they are, what I want you to do, you write down a group of people that if it was in your worldview, you wish they weren't part of all people, but you're going to pray for them this week. Dig deep here, friends. Who's that going to be? God, I want to pray for this group. Pray. Thirdly, I want you to write down the name of three people in your circle of influence that you know, that you rub shoulders with, that are in your world, three people that need Jesus, three people that need Jesus and that need to come to know him. Here's the reason. When you pray that way, it pleases God. It's his heart that those people would be saved and that they would come to a knowledge of the truth like we said a minute ago. You pray for a leader, pray for a group of people that, is, that maybe you wouldn't normally pray for. <laughs> and then finally, you pray for three people. You put them down, their name. I want to pray for John, Sally, Fred. These are three friends of mine that don't know Jesus. Pray for them. I've got mine too, by the way. I got two guys right now on my target list. They don't even know they're on their tar my target list. They've been on my target list a long time. And uh, they're a couple of good old boys. I love them. And uh, they swear all the time, randomly. Makes me laugh. But uh, that's sin, sin, sinful. But anyway, it's good. I, I love these guys because it's so real. So one of them told me, if I ever walk in that church, it's going to crash down around me. God and I aren't on speaking terms, you know. And um, I'm praying for him. I've been praying for him a long time. I've been praying. I'm not telling you to do something that I'm not doing, friends. I'm telling you, ask our kids. We're praying every night for our leaders here in this country. Every night. Do I agree with everything? No. Do I have my personal opinions about things? Yes, I do. And I'm allowed to have those opinions. And, and look, as friends, I could talk to friends, people around me. Here's my thought. Here's your thought. What do you think? What do I think? I see things, but as a leader in the church of Christ, what I have to do is say, God, what are you asking me to do? And as I lead here, what do you want me to tell the people to do? Best thing I know to do is not give you my opinion. Just give you the word of God and say, God, what would reflect your character and your heart in the best way possible? And that's what you're to do. Why? Because God says so. God's on the throne. So pray. Pray for your leaders.
Pray for a people group that you think, that's not my favorite people group. I disagree with them vehemently, maybe. And then you pray for three people in your circle of influence that you want to come to Christ. Because here's what I think. The ultimate, the ultimate goal of our church is the redemption of people. It's the redemption of people. So we need to be praying. I would love for this year in 2021 for every single person in this room to be bringing people to Christ. I'd love for people to be baptizing their friends this year in numbers that we've never seen before. Because that's the ultimate answer. One life at a time, we're reconciled to Christ. God, we thank you so much. We love you. We just pray today, God, that we would have your heart, that we would reflect your heart to this culture. And God, that we would be people of peace. We would be those who reach out an arm for reconciliation, God. We would be those who seek, uh, who seek to have the kind of character reflected in us, the character of God. So God, help us to get off the seat of judgment and get on the, our, our knees in prayer. And God, we pray for that today. We thank you for this. Now we worship you. We give honor to whom honor is due. We pray it in Jesus' name.